Simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked in Science Podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. I am your host, Dr. Lin from Bakerpedia, the world's only credible technical resource for the commercial baking industry. Today, I will be interviewing experts on the artisan baking trend. Before we start, this podcast is brought to you by Parados. Easy to use and based on natural ingredients, Authentic is a unique active bakery component that gives you the creative freedom to make breads with authentic taste and texture. At Parados, they believe that the future of bread lies in its past. Contact them today at parados.com for a sample of authentic to make that crusty artisan loaf. And today we have Ed Reinwell and Abby Hikes. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Abby, you are the specialty sales at the Annex. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? I work in sales for the Annex by Ardent Mills. The Annex is Ardent's dedicated group that works with specialty grains all the way from the farmer to the end processor. We have grains and pulses that we provide to our customers in different formats, like individually quick frozen, crisp, flour, and whole kernels. Interesting. So you'll be able to tell us a little bit more about how we can use these things in artisan bread later, right? Yes, I will be able. I will be happy to discuss. Great. Ed, you are part of the technical solutions team at uh, Arden Mills? Correct. I'm in technical solutions. I'm a technical analyst. So um, I go into the bakeries and help them out whenever they have problems. So you've been a baker for a while. Yes, quite some time, uh, close to 40 years. Wow, amazing. And I just realized today that both Abby and Ed are K-Staters. Awesome. Go Cats. Yeah, did both of you graduate from the BSM program, Baking Science and Management? Yes. That's great. Yes. That's great. So... I wanted to get you guys on today to understand a little bit about the artisanal trend and um, what do you guys see in the horizon for artisan bread? I would say one of the biggest trends that we've seen is that people are starting to use what we would consider heritage or heirloom varieties of wheat. We found that people are milling them whole grain so that they have more flavor because you're using all parts of the kernel as well as these grains just generally tend to have a bit more flavor than the traditional white flour that we have been seeing or that has been used for the past decades. So there's tons of different varieties that are out there. Some of the more popular ones we're seeing, um, felt, corzan, people have been trying einkorn. So just understanding how these grains work and then incorporating them into your artisan bread. That's great, Abby. I just want to make a clarification on what you mean by heirlooms or heritage grains. Um, So I would say that there's not a defined definition of this. 
So what I would say a heritage or heirloom grain is something that was used before the um, Green Revolution or essentially it's before 1950s. Oh, wow. Okay. Ed, what do you think of the artisan baking trend? Why do you think it's such a growing market for this? Yeah, I think the growing market is caused a lot by um, health and wellness because, and that perceived or actual, you know, because people definitely with all the the talk on the organics and the ancient grains, that uh, it's definitely much better for your diet. Right. And with a very clean image, like usually, you know, artisan bakers say that they bake just with three ingredients, right? Flour, water, and yeast. I think that 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 notion itself falls into, you know, the the consumer as well. It's a healthier bread, you know. So a lot of artisan to a lot of consumer means clean label. And I think that's also why there's a push to going, you know, artisan. In that case, what challenges do you think are are artisan bakers facing when they try to scale up, Ed? Well, of course, the um, most difficult part is to keep the integrity, right, of the uh, texture, yeah, mm-hmm. and the crust, and get as much water in as you can. That's you know, true. The absorption, and uh, and then throughout the whole process, now you have to try and. and keep all those factors in check. And uh, that's probably the toughest part. And then with the heirloom grains and all the organics, is that some organics is not enough for you to blend in order to get a good, consistent, quality product. And uh, it's one thing at Arden Mills that we try to work with a lot of farmers and get, get get good blends. That's true. I mean, one of the things, biggest issues I see is because artisan bread has such high absorption, it's a little uh, stickier to manipulate at uh, at the industrial level with, you know, um, dough pumps and such. So entire systems needs to be, you know, put in for dividing the dough for, you know, less stress doughs. So what kind of flour is suitable for this kind of high absorption dough and, you know, pretty much to be able to be processed at high speeds? Right. So um, usually uh, it all depends on the products you're making, right? The end product. You want one that's uh, moderate in protein, but Uh a good quality protein. And like I say, you can get the absorption in. But if you're working with doughs that you're going to be using a lot of sours and a lot of inclusions, you may need something with a little more higher protein and higher quality. So it really depends on the functionality of what you're making. Does this flour need any kind of special treatment or add vital wheat gluten or emulsifiers to make it stronger or more manageable during production or manufacturing? Not really when, you, when you're making artisan breads because you, you're using the fermentation process mm-hmm. and then the series of folds. Right. Doing, and that's helping uh, get more out of the, uh, get more absorption in and get the, the gluten um, properly developed okay. and uh, where it'll, it'll hold. And um, then, like you said, with the stress-free equipment, you use a lot less of these things i mean of course if you you know if you want to extend shelf life then there's other things you have to do 
So working with the heirloom grains, we really only want to use certain percentages, you know, maybe five or 10%. You still need the strength from your regular um, flowers, you know, and uh, these other ones, it depends what you're making. Again, like I said before, if you need some strength, if you're having a lot of inclusions, you can't use 100%. It's, you know, it just won't carry it. Now, if you were to use any kind of grain other than wheat, don't you need to add more vital wheat gluten? Yeah, if, but, in, you know, in artisan baking, you can get away without it. It depends on your process, you know, and how much you're putting in. What have you seen in your years being a baker that are common traits of a successful artisan bread baker? A successful artisan baker usually, you know, has a lot of passion for the craft. It's a science, but it's also a craft. They have to get into the nitty gritty and really look at the details and are pretty solid when it comes to following directions. And, and, you know, if something needs so many folds at certain times, then that's what they're going to give it. And uh, to produce those flavors and get the outcomes that you need, you need to follow certain procedures. And uh, whether it's a small one or a big one, you kind of have to follow the process. Right. What are the biggest hurdles in artisan bread baking at the industrial scale that you see? Have any of you guys experienced that? Nowadays, they have you know a lot of equipment you can buy on the industrial side that really helps out. I mean, years ago, a lot of times you had to try and make stuff yourself and try to um, you know, get your different proof times. It was always difficult. And now um, they have all the variable proof boxes now that you know can give you all different temperatures, humidity, and, and time you know, with different products in there. Like one could be in an hour and a half, another one could be in two hours, could be in three. They have variable drives. So really, the manufacturers have come such a long way that help us out, you know, to, to, to really develop the flavors and the crust. Right. So what I'm hearing from you is, I think, very similar to what a lot of other bakers are saying in terms of versatility in equipment. And that's just not very easy at a large scale manufacturing facility, right? I mean, I mean, the proof box wise, I mean, you can't just go one that's uh, 90 minutes and ones that, you know. 120. I mean, there has to be some kind of break in between, and that's really, really tough. So, equipment manufacturers have come up with different, you know, solutions, like you said, to handle these. They aren't exactly the cheapest, but you know, um, yeah. <laughs> not the cheap kind of solution. But still, I I really think that the trend is so strong going into this direction that any kind of capital investment that any kind of bakery wants to do in terms of capturing this trend is definitely worth it. So, Abby, in in your marketing research, do you see any sub-trends supporting the artisan baker? I would say one of the biggest trends that we've seen over the past couple of years is the ability for these bakers to mill their own grains. So um, a lot of people have started to take in the kernels or berries and use some small scale mills to mill these grains to give the um, fresh aroma. They say that it performs differently. So that's probably the biggest one that we've seen. Wow. I mean, that itself to me is 
quite a lot of capital up front. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe I mean, not so much for the larger for the larger ones, but small artists and bakeries. That's what we've seen, and we've had more requests for people to get kernels of the grains as well. That's interesting. And does that provide any kind of uh, added texture to the product at all, or is it just mainly aroma? I would say the main thing is flavor. There's a different aroma when you freshly mill the flour, but um, a lot of it is that it's a fresher flavor. And then if it's uh, you're you're milling it yourself, you're going to get the whole grain. So that's also, you know, adding more with the brand and flavor from that. So I have a question for Adam that. Does that affect water's absorption um, yeah. significantly? And how does it affect water absorption if you mill your own fresh grains? Right. When you mill your own fresh grain, you're not getting the same particle size, right? So usually those mills are very coarse. So you're not going to get the absorption. You would need longer fermentation times to get the same amount of water in if you can. The other thing is the you know, inconsistency you know, when you have the whole grain of the enzymes, right? So it could be, you know, and if your wheat isn't clean is the other problem too. That's true. You know, that's, so, so there is a lot of, we need to send them to K-State to do some milling courses just to learn <laughs> a little bit more about milling <laughs> yeah. if they want to mill their own grains, right? So right. to me, it sounds like uh, putting, you know, at least three or four more variables into the baking process when you're trying to mill your own grains. But I guess at the artisan level, some bakers are willing to give that up so that it can have a unique uh, flavor component to it and a unique way of delivering different grains into, your, into their products. Do you guys have any suggestions for bakers? Uh, who are facing challenges at the artisan baking level? Well, I guess as the industry grows and as um, more and more bakers get into it, there's definitely going to be maybe some sourcing issues. And then, also, you know, the price of all these different uh, grains going up. So pricing issues. And then, of course, always labor, training properly, you know, your staff. That's true. That That is definitely a challenge at their level. Is there anything from your point of view that you can help solve with the supply issue? There are certain grains that we've kind of taken or had a stake in the ground. So we have a good supply of spelt. We've decided to grow out white sonora, which is an heirloom variety that's from the Southwest. So there are certain ones that we've found that they're scalable. So we've planted a lot of acres of these grains so that we can support the larger effort. And also when you have a scalability, it also brings more price consistency so that it lowers the price because some of these grains really are very expensive just because there's not a lot out there. So we're trying to pick ones that we see that are very functional across different um, categories and work with those and bring them to the larger population. Great. So thank you for stopping by today. I really appreciate both of you sharing your viewpoints on artisan bread baking with me. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Ready to seek out the next hot trend? Why not learn more at our Trend Spotting Bootcamp? Coming up soon, in our upcoming Trend Spotting Bootcamp, we will be working with high proteins, low FODMAP, 
reduce calorie and replacement technologies. Come, get all the tools you need to keep up with the latest trends. Sign up today at bakerpedia.com forward slash academy. Up next, Peter LaChapelle talking about where artisan bakers need to go. Today, we have Pete LaChapelle, the VP of Food Group at Emerald Expositions. Welcome, Pete. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, nice to meet you, too. I heard that you are studying out on a new baking show. What is it for and what is it called? Well, this will be the inaugural year. It's called the International Artisan Bakery Expo, and it will be produced right alongside International Pizza Expo. Uh, The two shows will be linked at the elbows, and the only barrier between one show and the other, you'll go from a red carpet to a black carpet. Very cool. So that's it. Why artisan, Pete? Well, the the pizzeria industry, I, I have been in the pizzeria industry now for 20 years, and I see the exact same phenomenon going on in the artisan baking industry, where the vast majority of people that are getting into the business today, this is their second career. And so with in the pizzeria industry, they can come, the, the, the leaders and, the, and those that really want to learn, can come to International Pizza Expo and take advantage of, of well over 100 seminars, demonstrations, and networking events. They go home, they take this information, and they make their business better. Now, the artisan baking industry is just starting to boom again. The retail, you see people in the exact same fashion, they, their husbands, their wives, their neighbors, they uh-huh. say, you know, you bake a really good loaf of bread, right. or gosh, your decorated cakes are beautiful. You want to get into business. And they waffle for a while, and then they decide, I'm going for it. And they cash in their 401k or their inheritance, or, <laughs> or they just take a jump in with both feet. That's true. They're baking wonderful products, right. but then they have a hard time finding the profit. That is and true. It's not a place, and, and as well, I recently I have heard from a number of people that 90% of the retail bakeries, and that may be high, but this is what they have told me, is 90% of the ba- retail bakeries opening up fail within the first 12 months. Wow. That's really high. Yeah. So you, you take all of these people that have invested who knows how much money, and it all goes to heck in a year. And they have no place to go to learn. So this market is, 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 is growing. You now have people opening up their own cake shops, donut shops, bread shops, pastry stores. It used to be where single product bakeries like Dunkin' Donuts, for instance, had to branch out beyond just donuts. They had to include muffins. They had to include soup. They had to include sandwiches. Well, the bakeries today with one or two product selections are coming back. That is interesting. And, and these are, the, these are the, the newbies. These are the folks that, that decided, you know what, I'm not going to be a lawyer anymore. I want to <laughs> be a baker. You know what? And, I've and heard so them. many. I've heard so many cases like that, too. <laughs> sure. That's, that's the way they most of it get in. And right. I would say that in the, in the baking industry, there are more students coming out of school that can work in bakeries, all right, then there are pizzolas. I, I understand that. Yeah. So there is more in, in the pizzeria business, just about everybody learns the same way from scratch. Whereas in the baking industry, 
there are a number of schools around the industry that around the country that are producing good, solid bakers. Yeah, but that's true. typically when they graduate, they don't have the money to open up a bakery. No. It's a guy like me that decides I'm not doing this anymore. I want to, I want to bake for a living. Now, who can I find to help me? That is so, true. Yeah. yeah. So, which so anyway, leads me to my next question. How does this, and what is your interest in baking in all of this, in this entire situation of seeing this trend and, you know, going into it, holding a show that brings people together? What is your experience and what is your interest in baking? Well, my interest is, is first I noticed that in the pizzeria business, they are beginning to respect themselves as a craft. Um, the industry is beginning to look at the pizzeria business differently. They are bakers. And so recently, I've, I've noticed that the, 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 the upper echelons of the pizzeria business are beginning to play with bread. They want to start baking bread. And so that, that kind of piqued my interest. Then I know that there are suppliers out there that specialize in, in supplying retail bakeries, and they only get a chance to show their wares right now once every three years at the International Baking Industry Exposition. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take that, if the IBIE is, is right now the sole source of information for these folks, and it only happens every three years, right. how many poor folks are going to go out of business between now and then and never were able to, to tap into some good, solid information? And then while I know the suppliers, it's been about 10 years since, anybody, since a retail bakery show has been produced. Oh, really? And many of these, many of these suppliers have become accustomed to, well, I guess we'll only approach the market once every three years. But they would do an awful lot better if they could show their wares, give their advice, and, and provide bakers with more information in, on an annual basis, like most every other trade in the, in the, in the world. That, that's so, true. And I can guess your target audience but what's going to make you guys different from something like, say, the National Restaurant Show? You know, well, um, be, who is your target audience? The target audience will be retail slash artisan bakers. Retail, uh-huh. Bakers who are either artisan or want to be. Okay. I, I, I'm using the artisan term as um, it's sort of like being Irish on St. Patty's Day. You either <laughs> are or you want to be. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, if you and I open up a bakery and neither one of us have really all that much experience beyond our kitchen, all right, we're putting out really good products, but we really want to be artisans. We want to, we, that's our goal is we want to be that good. Mm-hmm. And so this will give them an opportunity to grow in that business. So I'm, I'm looking for brand new owners. I'm looking for existing retail bakery owners. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for folks that are opening up cafes that are kind of going between do I, what really is a bakery cafe? What products do I add? That's what true. products, you know, do I do bread and pastries? Mm-hmm. Do, I, do I do dessert cakes and donuts maybe or, or cupcakes? And, and that's a big challenge. And, and to know what products to select is challenging. So my goal, you, you ask for the attendees, who are they? Uh-huh. Retail bakers and those that want to be. Uh-huh. Okay. I think that home, home bakers, they're, they're especially a lot of decorated cake folks, they're, they're producing quite a bit of product out of their, their kitchens, and they may look to get into the business. Mm-hmm. 
in-store bakeries and food service operations. Panera Bread is a perfect example of a bakery cafe. They do a wonderful job. In-store bakeries, let's take Kroger or Jewel or Safeway. I know they're not artisan baking per se, but if you go and you look at their products, they're a lot better today than they were five, six, seven years ago or when I was back in the business. So when you walk in there, they would like you to believe that they're artisan. And so what's the difference? Okay. I know that the, that there's a, you know, if you were to scale them on a, on a scale of one to 10, okay, well, you and I may put out a better product than an in-store bakery. However, they're trying to put out artisan products as well, or take advantage of the artisan baking movement. Uh-huh. And then the last category are, I call them intermediate wholesale bakers or, or baker's bakers, okay. where if, um, you know, let's take here, I, I live in Louisville, Kentucky, okay. and there is a great opportunity for somebody here to break, to bake wonderful bread and distribute it just within the city to all the top restaurants around. And so I would include them in the in the, the artisan baking movement as well. I see. So to come to this trade show, I, I'm looking for current and future retail bakers. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for bakery cafes, somebody that wants to open one up or has one, supermarkets, in-store bakery operators that really want to step up their baking program and make it, if not look, then literally be an artisan bakery. And then, of course, the intermediate bakers, bakers who may not have a retail storefront, but they're baking all day long and they're supplying fresh baked products that are unpackaged. And that's really, I guess, bottom line is what we're looking for is bakers that bake product, fresh baked that are unpackaged and they're eventually sold to the consumer. Very neat. And if our listeners have more questions and how to attend this, where can I send them? What website can I send them to? The website is, of course, it begins with www. I always wonder if I'm supposed to say <laughs> we that. We don't need to say that anymore. <laughs> the, the, the title is, is artisanbakeryexpo.com. Great. Great. And remember and, that anybody sorry? that comes to the show mm-hmm. can also attend International Pizza Expo. Okay. And, and there, again, is another big opportunity for retail bakers because they're paying for their rent and their equipment 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right. And their business typically tails off at around 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's true. They've got the ovens. They've got the mixers. Why not come up with a specialty pizza, even if it's only three, four days a week, and offer it to the customers that are coming home? Or yeah. stay, stay open late Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. And the more I, I, I get around... That's not a crazy idea. There are plenty of folks that are doing now, I, I know now why you're doing this, because you're like so entrepreneurial in this. <laughs> I guess so, Your, your yeah. passion is just into this. You're like, oh, I can sell this, and I can sell that too. <laughs> yes, yes. And I want, I want these folks to have a successful business. Right, you know? right. Yeah, bring them ideas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How many people will you be expecting in this expo? Well, I'm taking a stab at it. it Pizza Expo will have somewhere between 7,500 and 8,000 attendees. I'm really hoping my first year at Artisan Bakery Expo that I can get 1,500 to 2,000. 2,000 is probably a dream, but I think I can get It's okay to dream, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I, I, that's a great goal. Like I, I think that that's, you can get that many people. I mean, based on my knowledge of this market and how many artists and bakers there are up there, I think this is a pretty reasonable goal. What, 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 Fingers would, crossed. what did you think? Like, to me, it sounds really heavy pizza oriented. What would a, an artisan baker come out from the show with, you know, what do you, what can they expect coming out of the show since it's so pizza well, when, related? When you uh, go to a trade show, related. the baking industry is not just baking. Okay. If we, if we open up a, a, a retail shop, all right, we need, we need to know the current techniques, marketing, how to manage. Cause remember, most of these people are getting into the business for the first time. Right. So what I've done is there will be approximately 75 exhibitors, suppliers in the bakery show, specifically bakery oriented. Mm -hmm. And then on the pizza expo side, there's another 250 exhibitors that marketing ovens, mixers, flour, signage, consulting businesses, uh -huh. distributors. So while the bakery specific will be obviously smaller this year, and we'll have 70, 75 exhibitors on that end of the floor. Okay. The, the retail bakers that come and visit the show will also be able to go over and see the folks that will be able to buy their furniture, buy their marketing needs, buy their signage, and find the, the consultants, the coffee, the, the, the desserts on that side as well. So it's really not, it won't be just 75. And, and over on the Pizza Expo side, there are many, many. Basically, there will be 500 exhibitors, and at least half of them are, would be appropriate within a retail bakery show. Now, I had hoped that they'd buy a booth on the other side, and eh, I know that that's not realistic. So I know what I've done is I have included the, the exhibits on the pizzeria side in the bakery show guide, so they'll, they'll know that there's an opportunity over on the other side of the floor where they can go visit and find their needs over there. So it's everything from tablecloths to, to marketing needs to signage to big balloons and as well as ovens, mixers, flour, et cetera. Very so there'll be, plenty of, yeah. there'll be plenty of things to see. So if I'm starting out as an artisan baker, I can come into this expo and get almost everything I need unless there are financing services there as well for me to start up my own business. Would there be financing services there? Yes, there will be. There is always financing there. Yep, there All are. All right, there, are. there you go. You want to open up a bakery, you got to go to this show and get everything there. <laughs> yep. Now remember, there are also there is also a seminar and demonstration component to this. Okay. So and what, what, kind of, what kind of topics would you be teaching? Well, I have, I've, I've teamed up with the Bread Bakers Guild of America. That's nice. And they're bringing in bakers that will talk about everything from Peter Yoon, for instance, will be addressing layered dough and puff pastries and queen among. We'll have Rachel Cramsey coming in and doing out-of-the-box donuts. Nice. Uh, I like Rachel. We'll Rachel's have, really good. Yeah, we'll, we'll have folks that are coming in and, and discussing exactly what should the product mix be in a bakery cafe? Very nice. Um, there'll be others that'll show 
how to start one, where to get your financing, how to pick your that's location. Great. That's great. That's the kind this. of information they need. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's what it is. So, you know, I, I really think that most bakers, most of the ones that go out of business within the first 12 months, it wasn't because they didn't bake good product. It was because the business, they didn't get the business fast enough. They couldn't find the profit. And, and, you know, I, I see that. I've seen that in the pizzeria business. I've seen that in the baking industry where, oh, man, I'm making a beautiful pizza. This is beautiful. Or I can make a gorgeous loaf of bread. But why yeah. did it cost me eight bucks for this loaf yeah, of bread? Exactly. And, and, and yeah, that, that's the key. Teaching them the business. And, and you know what someone really needs to teach to? Someone really needs to teach about efficiencies and uh, how to compete, right? I think those things are really important when you start a business is understanding competition and price points and yep. how that relates to profits. And, you yep. know, if you guys teach all that stuff, I'm like, that's awesome, you know? Because, you know, it's really so hard to predict who actually survives the first 12 months right because you you can't be a baker like when you go open a, a, a cake shop or a branch you just can't be a baker you got to be like everything you got to be the accountant you got to be the you know the bookkeeper you got to be the marketer you got to be the <laughs> everything and, and, and those are the those are the details that end up biting them in the exactly. in the end exactly yeah and so they got to learn the business and that's, and that's you know, if there was one thing, I'd say that that's probably my primary goal is to offer a place where they can go to, A, yes, find new, new suppliers, to learn the new techniques, but really to how to run their business. That's and, awesome. and that's where it's so in common with the pizzeria business is that they go through the exact same thing. These are all people that are new to the industry. They've, they've jumped in with both feet. And now all of a sudden, I've got a great story. I had a, a fella come up to me. He says, he's been in business for two weeks. The health department shows up and says, wow, this is a beautiful bakery. You've done a gorgeous job. I love the tables. I love the decor. Mm -hmm. Those donuts are outstanding. All right, we got one problem. I'm going to give you two weeks to fix it. You got a problem with the grease trap. Oh, All right. And you're, I'm, I'm not going to, you can stay open, but I'm going to have to be back in two weeks to check up on it. And so I need you to have it fixed by then. So let's say I'm the baker and I say, oh, okay, that's great. Thank you very much. Health department leaves and I have to call my buddy to say, hey, what's a grease trap? Only to find out that it's going to cost me $20,000 to fix. Mm -hmm. Had he done the homework ahead of time, he would have known that. And that's, that's the case. You need to do your homework before you open up. And, so, and so you, you really need to have like a startup class on how to build a bakery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Pete. Have a nice one. You too. You heard Pete. You're either an artisan baker or a wannabe. So which are you? Hey, do you want to learn more? Come to our fermentation boot camp and sourdough growth hacking seminar. We will be teaching the basics of fermentation and sourdough. Sign up today at bakerpedia.com forward slash academy. One more thing before we end, please like, comment, and subscribe to Baked in Science. Till the next episode, bakers, bake it artisanal. Bake it artisanal.